Have a seat, have a seat, and uh, while you do, grab a Bible to John chapter 3. If you need a Bible, there's one somewhere under a seat close by you. Grab it and turn there. This is the last week and a four-week series we've done to start the year in John uh, 3.16. And, uh, but I want to let you know, uh, even though this is the last week of the series, uh, there's some uh, neat stuff. If you have our app, uh, the Harvest Bible Chapel Indy South app, or if you need to get that app, Harvest Indy South, in your app store, that'll pull up a, a blue one and a green one. Get the blue one. And on that, there's some resources that we've put together. So even as this series ends today, there's great resources for you to look at. A couple of those that I just want to highlight. First is an article that dives deeper into who is God and uh, how do we get to know him more uh, related to kind of the first week's teaching of this series. The second, an article on why does God even love the world? Why? Easy for me to say. Why does God even love the world? I mean, he didn't, he didn't need us. He didn't need to redeem all this. So why does God love the world? And then the third resource you're going to find under there is um, uh, we're excited to, to announce the launch of a new podcast. Uh, ready for the name of our podcast? It's called the Amateur Church Podcast, okay? And, um, um, and so if uh, you, you go on there, uh, listen to that. That podcast episode is Why Would a Good God Allow, uh, allow Some to Perish? Uh, but that will be an ongoing podcast that we do. You can download that podcast and wherever you get podcasts. And um, uh, this is, uh, we're excited about this. There'll be different topics of the Christian life uh, that we talk through on a periodic basis. And so uh, if you have those things, uh, just to let you know. And then uh, with this being the last week of the series, next week we start a new series. Uh, and we will walk verse by verse through the last book of the Old Testament, this little book called Malachi. And, um, you know, if you've ever read through Malachi, uh, you might go like, what? what is pertinent or what's relevant to us um, in contemporary uh, America as Christians that would be similar to these ancient Israelites and what God has given this prophet to say to these ancient Israelites? And the answer to that is there is a lot that is very relevant both to the culture in which Malachi is speaking against and to the culture that we live today. I think in this series we're going to be uh, really challenged. I think there's going to be some weeks where uh, you'll all see me in the grocery store and then we can go, Pastor, that was really convicting. And I'm going to go, I know, it was for me too. And so I'm really excited to jump into the book of Malachi next week, uh, and we'll spend uh, some time studying that. Deal? Sound good? All right. John chapter 3, though, for our last week here today. Um, I was in a conversation um, in the Wabash College Fieldhouse, and I was having a conversation with another student. His name was Joe. And uh, Joe had asked if we could get together because Joe... He wanted to know if he could really be sure that he would go to heaven after he had died. And um, I don't know if you've experienced a conversation like this with someone who might not be a Christian, but begins to, uh, begins to try to discern what really does happen after we die. And so uh, Joe and I were sitting in uh, kind of some t- uh, two, two chairs overlooking a whole, uh, a whole warehouse full of basketball courts, and um, we had a very long conversation. And I would share the gospel or the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us, and that if we'll respond to that in faith, uh, God promised promises to save. And I shared that same message in all different ways that I could possibly think to communicate it so that maybe it would finally click with him. But after probably 90-minute conversation, Joe walked away from that still um, not ready to put his faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. And here, here was Joe's biggest hang-up. Joe's biggest hang-up was that certainly in order to get to heaven, 
you had to earn it. If heaven was as good as everyone says it is, there is no way that you could just believe on a Savior, just put faith in Jesus, and you could just be in. And Joe walked away from that conversation going, I I can't get there. I can't buy it. I believe there's something. I have to live a good life. I have to earn my way to heaven. And that's where the conversation with Joe ended that day. Now, um, that conversation is one that maybe you have found yourself in as you've sat across a coffee table or in a living room um, with people who are wrestling with the same things. And they're going, I just don't see. I've, no, no, no. You ha- there's got to be a way you earn it. But the, the truth of the matter is God has spoken some really good news in his word to us. And it doesn't matter whether you or I think we have to earn our way to heaven. It matters how God has said that we get to enjoy the splendor of heaven in his presence one day. And the foundational teaching of Christianity uh, can be summed up in this statement right here. That justification is by grace alone through faith alone. Now, let me uh, define some of those terms so we're all on the same page. Justification means this. It means to be declared righteous. And so the Bible teaches none of us are righteous. No, not one. None of us in this room are righteous in a right place naturally in our own standing with God. But that justification is the act of us being declared righteous. How does that happen? That happens by God's grace. God's grace is this. It's unmerited favor. In the very definition of grace, we hear that we can't merit his favor. That we can't earn his favor. That his grace is a gift to to us, and that gift has a name, and his name is Jesus. And God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus, this Good, good gift so that when we put our faith in him and faith alone, it's not faith plus works, it's faith alone. God gives us this unmerited favor, this gift we don't deserve, and he declares us righteous in his sight. That's the good news of the gospel, folks. And so we've been in this verse, I mean, this verse before us that we've taken the beginning weeks of 2019 to study is what lays this out to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Today we focus on the latter part of the verse. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And as we focus on that, uh, there's really two questions we need to ask of ourselves today. There's two questions we need to seek to answer during the sermon today. And these two questions are this. What is our response to God's love shown to us in the giving of a son? What has our response to that been? Have we responded to that? Maybe, maybe you're in here this morning and you're like my friend Joe from college who just went, no, 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 no. I, I, I got to earn it. There's got to be some way I can earn it. And your response to the free gift of Jesus Christ has been, no, 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 that can't just be that. Um, I hope today that that changes. Maybe you're like the 17-year-old kid who showed up at my front door when I was a youth pastor. And um, he came in and he said, here's the deal. I've grown up in church. I've heard the gospel probably every week my whole life. He was part of a really great church, really great Bible preaching church. He's certainly heard the gospel week after week. And he goes, I've never done anything with that. Like, I've just heard it. 
And like intellectually, I agree, you know, yeah, that's probably true. But like there's, I've never put my faith in this Jesus. And right there on, in our living room, that kid finally surrendered his life to the Lord at 17 years old. But the question that we have to answer is to what is the response of humanity to be to the love of God shown to us in giving his son? And then very importantly, the most important question that we could ever probably ask, what's at stake based on that response to Jesus? Because the latter part of this verse tells us what the response is to be and tells us what's at stake based on our response to Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And so we're going to seek to answer these two questions here today. Uh, But before we do, let's ask for God's help as we pray. Father, would you please help us now? Uh, Lord, um, Lord, this has been a sweet couple weeks just studying this, this crown jewel verse in your word. Um, and now, God, I pray, I pray for a commitment Sunday here. Lord, I pray that those um, in here who um, might not know you, uh, might not have a relationship with you, have never believed, have never put their faith in you, Jesus, that today would be the day they believe. Lord, we know that's a miracle that your spirit has to do in their heart. You have to woo them and draw them. And it's a response, Lord, that, that they uh, that they uh, volitionally say, yes, I believe I want to follow Jesus. God, would you work that miracle in our midst here today? Uh, Lord, would you give us great clarity on what, be- what it means to believe? Lord, would you give us great clarity on what it means to not perish and what it means to have eternal life? God, please. Lord, no one is fit to teach these things. These are great, these are, these are like deep, deep, deep things of the faith, Lord. And we need your spirit to enlighten our eyes and enlighten our hearts. Help us to see it. Help us to understand it. Help us to respond, Lord. And so please, Lord, we beg for your presence and your spirit to do that in our midst. As your word goes out, in Jesus' name, amen. So um, start right now. Just look back at John 3.16. And let's read this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, I want you to pause at that, uh, that second that. You follow me there? That second that in the verse. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Next word, what's it say? Okay, it's really, this is really uh, important for us to understand. That, uh, that word um, in the Greek language begins what's called a henna clause. A henna clause is a purpose clause. So we know that everything that's coming after that, that is the purpose. So uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? Why? What's the purpose of God doing that? He's about to tell us, okay, here was the purpose. Here's the purpose of my love. Here's the purpose of my giving my my only son kind of love, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The love of God demonstrated to the world in the giving of a son has a purpose, and the purpose is that uh, whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So uh, we talked in the first week, what does it mean to believe? Um, you know, we, we can believe a, a lot of things, but uh, this, this, word, this verse here says, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Christ. What are we believing in when we believe in Christ? What is, what, what, what's, what's that faith looks like? Here's what we're believing in when we believe in Christ. We're believing uh, that we uh, have like not earned right standing with God. We have not merited right standing with God. In fact, um, um, Brock has not only done bad things. I don't, I don't typically refer to myself in the third person, okay? I 
have not only done bad things, there's something fundamentally broken about my heart. My heart, um, my heart, when I respond in a way that I sin, really what's just coming out is what's in my heart. I told y'all last week about punting the laundry basket across the bedroom, and y'all loved that all week long. And that wasn't just like a sinful thing Brock did. That's something that was in my heart that that circumstance, that scenario, just brought out of me. And so when we believe in him, we're saying like, wow, I am like foundationally broken and flawed at the very nature of who I am. And then we're believing that like God says sin is a big deal. So Brock, it's not just like, hey, oh, you know, that's okay. Like as we read his word from uh, cover to cover, sin is a big deal to God because he's holy, he's flawless, he's perfect, and he cannot even have sin in his presence. And he says uh, that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, and that the penalty for sin is death. Uh, we sinned in the beginning, death entered the world, and the penalty for this sin is death. And now we're saying, yes, I see, I've separated from God, I'm worthy of death, but then we're saying, I see God's love for me in sending his son Jesus to go to the cross for me and to pay my penalty, that my death penalty, he paid it. He paid it on my behalf. He atoned for my sin to redeem me, to buy me back, to reconcile me, to bring me into relationship that if I will just believe in him, all of this here where it's like I was separated from God, Jesus has made a way, I believe in Jesus. I don't get right with God because I'm righteous. I get right with God because he's righteous and when I believe in him, I'm in him. That's the good news of the gospel, folks. And that's what, like, when we're believing in Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, I simply must be clothed with your righteousness and be found in you, and that's my only hope. And then what happens, and if you're sitting here going, well, that, yeah, but that God is about holiness and isn't about, yes, 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 once that happens, once you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ and you're justified righteous before God forever, he changes your heart and you begin to live a life of thankfulness that goes, God, I want to honor you with my life. And it ain't perfect, and it's not without speed bumps, and it's not without punting laundry baskets across a room. But the trajectory of the, the sanctification, the holiness of your life begins to change. To believe in Christ is just to say, Lord, I need your righteousness to clothe me, and I need to be found in you. That's my only hope. And we said in the first week, just uh, this slide, uh, that saving faith, like it gets beyond, like what are the components of saving faith? Not a three-step process, but it gets beyond knowledge. It's not just like, yeah, yeah, Jesus lived, and, or I believe in the, God, the big man upstairs, and I'm sure he'll be good to me. No, no, it's beyond like a knowledge that God exists. It's beyond a knowledge that Jesus walked this earth. It's agreeing that Jesus is Lord. It's saying, yes, you are Lord. You are who you said you were, and you always will be who you said you are. And then it's submitting to his lordship. Like, this is what happens when saving faith takes root in our heart. We submit to the lordship of Christ. And that's what happened when saving faith takes root in our heart. John Piper says it like this. Anytime you can just quote something John Piper said, um, you're probably on relatively safe ground. Belief is not merely an agreement with facts in the head. It is also an appetite for God in the heart, which fastens on Jesus for satisfaction. 
Whoever comes, now he's quoting Jesus, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Therefore, eternal life is not given to people who merely think that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, and then it goes on to say, eternal life is given to people who drink from Jesus as the Son of God. And so, the response that we are called to, and if you're build, taking notes or building the sentence we're building here on our notes to answer the two questions we said at the outset, uh, the first thing I want you to write down is, if I believe in Jesus. This is the response. The response is belief. What are we to do with the fact that God has loved us and sending us his son? God has told us our response is to be that of saving faith, to believe, to believe in him, to believe in Christ. Now, I want you to look at that word that comes before believe, who believes. What is the word in the verse that comes before believes? What is it? That whoever believes. You want to hear something beautiful about the gospel? You want to hear something beautiful about God's love to us as given in his son, Jesus Christ? The offer extends to uh, people of every tribe and every tongue and every nation. The offer to believe extends to everyone from every socioeconomic status. The, the, the Jesus as Lord applies to every race across this globe. Uh, the, the tribal native on the remote island right now, is saved through faith in Jesus in the same way the billionaire businessman in the New York high-rise is. Whoever believes. The, the, the murderer on death row is saved by faith in Jesus as this, in the same way as like the most morally upright Good citizen, it's by believing in him, and that offer is to whoever believes. And so if you're in here right now, and you're, you're believing lies of the enemy that tell you, I'm too far gone, I've done this, um, God certainly, God might forgive me for these sins, but there's that one night and that one thing or that one season, God will never forgive me for that. That's not what his word says. It's such good news. Whoever believes. That's the offer given to us. And so what is our response to be? The response is to be that of faith. The response is to believe. Now, um, my question just under this first part is this. Have you believed? Have you believed? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've been confronted with the facts of who Jesus is, of what he's done, and what are you? tells us and have you ever said I see my sin I see I'm separated I see my need for a savior Jesus I believe in you I surrender have you ever believed has there ever been a time where you've submitted to him in his lordship, and said, I believe, I agree that you're Savior, I submit to your life, have all of me. Have you ever believed? Now, we said there's a second really important question that we got to ask here that this verse brings out. Uh, the first question was, what is the response to be to, what is the response to be to what God has shown us his love in sending his son? The second question is, what's at stake? 
What is at stake for every single one of us in here without exception about whether we believe in Jesus or whether we don't believe in Jesus? Go back to the word and let's look at how the verse finishes out. That whoever believes in him should not, what? Should not perish, but have eternal life. So, building our notes here today, if I believe in Jesus, I will not perish, but have eternal life. I want to break these um, two things out. What does it mean to perish or to not perish? What does it mean to have eternal life? And we have to uh, couple these things together to understand both of them. But uh, the Bible teaches two potential destinies. The Bible teaches two paths. And now, um, I just, I'm going to try to um, unpack our culture a bit as I, as I teach on this, because our culture will often try to tell us, no, certainly there's got to be some third path. Or certainly, like, it's not as simple as this or that. Um, our culture will often say that's way, way too narrow-minded, that there's just two paths, and you believe in Jesus and have eternal life, or you don't believe in Jesus and you perish. Uh, Francis Chan, heard of Francis Chan? Uh, read some of his books. Crazy Love is a book he wrote. He's a pastor of a house church movement in San Francisco now. And um, he, said he came down off the stage one time, and a guy met him, and he says, Francis, you know what I, you know what I can't stand about your teaching? which is always the best way to be met when you come off stage after preaching. Um, he said, you, you're always like, you're always so like, uh, like there's just two paths. You're always just like, you either believe in Jesus and have life or you deny Jesus and you don't have life. He's like, there's certainly got to be some third path. And Francis, Francis was just like, as I study the Bible, like I just see the teaching of scripture is that faith leads to life. The denial of Jesus or not faith in Jesus leads to perishing, but our culture will clamor, give me some third option, but scripture does not, scripture does not give us a third option. And so, if whoever believes in him should not perish, what's it mean to perish? Uh, The teaching of Christianity and the teaching of the Bible is that, um, there's two eternal destinies, one uh, with God in the presence of God forever through faith in Jesus Christ. One to deny Jesus is to uh, be eternally separated from God uh, in hell. And um, that word hell is not popular in our culture today. Um, that word hell often gets um, p- churches that preach about the reality of hell or Christians who uh, we'll talk about the reality of hell that will often get them uh, segmented off. Um, people will say it's not loving in, in our culture to, to, to say that to people. But the, te- the, 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 the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, we have to ask the question, what has God said about this? Not what does our culture want us to say about this. And God has spoken on this matter. And we cannot fall into the lie that the loving thing to do is to not talk about the reality of what the Bible teaches about perishing. That's not loving, folks. It's not loving. 
the loving thing, full of compassion, not condemnation against people, but full of compassion, is to plead with people that God loves us so much that he's taught us the two possible realities of eternity. And one is in his presence with eternal life forever, and one is to deny Jesus and to be eternally separated from him in hell. And just uh, hell is a reality. And it's important that we talk about this. Now, um, the, often the question then I'll get when someone, you know, usually uh, there are times that a, a non-Christian will come up to me and they'll ask, like, do you believe in hell? And I'll say yes. And what I find is I've set myself up for a potential trap on their part because then the next question is this. How could a loving God, how could a loving God contem- condemn people to hell for all of eternity? Now, in our culture, that sounds like a really, really good and wise and valid question. That sounds like, sound like, oh, yeah, like, I don't think that is the most important question. I don't think that's the best question to ask. Because here's the truth of the matter. If God is holy, and in his holiness, he cannot have anything sinful in its midst, I have done nothing to earn going to be in the presence of God. I've done nothing to earn that. I've done nothing to merit that. Like God is perfectly just to send me out of his presence forever. He's perfectly just in that. And that question fails to understand the justice of God. And that in our, in our day, if there was a judge sitting on his ruling seat and he just let people go who were guilty, just let them go. Yeah, 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 I know you did that. I know you did. Go, go. Yeah, no jail time for you. Go, go. Yeah, no, no. You don't have to. You know. We would not look at that judge and say, wow, what a just judge. What a loving judge. To deny the justice of God, we have to deny the love of God with it. Here's what I think the better question is. Not how, now, not how could a loving God allow some people to be separated from forever. Here's what I think the better question is. How could a holy God ever make a way for me to come be in his presence? Like when we understand God for who he is and when we understand us for who we are, the more mind-blowing, audacious, like I can't even wrap my finite mind around it is how could a holy God allow me to come be in his presence forever? That blows my mind. That is the audacious question that we have a God who has loved us so much that, that he has sent his son. That he, he didn't even say, okay, Brock, now I'm going to have you because of your sin. Brock, now I'm going to have you die a horrific death because that's what you've earned. And if you die a horrifically painful death, then you can come be with me. No, no, no. He says, I'll send my son on your behalf. I'll send my son on your behalf, Brock, if you'll just believe If you will believe in him, I'm crying out, Brock, I love you so much. I've sent your son. Just believe on him and you will have eternal life. Don't let people get hung up on the perishing part. Show people, no, 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 he's made a way to life. What will you do with that, that he's made a way to life? Whoever believes in him should not perish, not perish be eternally separated from God forever in hell, but the opposite of perishing. Y'all want to talk about the opposite of perishing for a few minutes?
that will be in his presence forever. Worshiping him without a veil, unhindered by the assault of my idols on this earth, unhindered by the effects of sin in my life, unhindered by the distractions of earthly things. I mean, y'all, we thought, hallelujah, holy, holy, we thought that was good, right? Wait till that day when we're in his presence and we're, we're worshiping him unhindered by all of the junk, all the, the, the stuff that we, came, that we come with a hangover from our past life into this life here on earth. Eternal life and the, the prize and the treasure of eternal life is that we get to be with him in his presence forever. That is the prize of heaven. That's the prize of eternity. He is the prize. And you've no doubt heard this question in books you've read or sermons you've listened to or stuff you've heard over the years. But the question always goes, if, if you could have heaven with all of the greatest things that you envision heaven to be, but God wasn't there, would you be okay with that? So, uh, golfers, if heaven meant getting to golf Augusta National every day and the presence of God wasn't there, are you okay with that? Outdoors, outdoors people, folk. <laughs> if heaven for you is like hiking the, give me a good place to hike, the Appalachians, the Himalayans, the Swiss Alps. Can you even hike the Swiss Alps? I don't know. Um, in the presence of God isn't in the midst there. Are you okay with beautiful waterfalls and fl- flawless ravines? And are you okay with that? No, no, no. The treasure of eternity is that will be in his presence forever. unhindered by the hangover of my sin, no longer assaulted with the confrontation of my idols. I'll just see him for who he is and we'll do it forever. 10,000 years and then 10,000 more and then 10,000 more. And if you think eternal life is us just floating on clouds with like the angel things and playing harps, I don't even say anything about that. It's just not eternal life. The teaching of Christianity is not, now how do you go be really good to try to get that? The teaching of Christianity is that someone already really good has come and he's won that for us if we will believe And it flies in the face of everything of how our culture is wired. We live in a merit-based culture. We get rewarded for how we do on tests. That's fine. 
We get promotions and work based on merit, how we do. And if we're not careful, if we let the kingdom of this world and its merit-based promotions affect the kingdom of God and the free gift of Jesus Christ that he's given to us that we have not merited, that we have not earned, it can drastically affect and bring in a very unhealthy view of the gospel. But folks, the gospel is this. Your God has loved you so much. He's seen you in your sin. He's seen that you can never rescue yourself. And he's loved you so much that he sent his only son to die on your behalf. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Today is the day to believe. And now I don't believe that I can just stand up here as a preacher and just come in and believe. You know what I believe happens in these moments? I believe the Holy Spirit begins to tug at your heart and call you to himself and say, Brock, surrender, Brock, surrender, Brock, surrender. For me, 19 years old, moved out of my hometown, gone to college, stripped away everything I'd known and all of my identity. I had, uh, through that time, for the first 18 years, I had found a way to look like the really, really good kid. If you ask my coaches, my teachers, my parents, they would have said, man, Brock is like a model Christian student. But I knew in my heart that wasn't true. I, do, I knew what I was doing when no one was looking. I knew what I was doing to how I, I, I knew how to look the part at church and look the part at school because I was a people pleaser by nature. I wasn't a God pleaser. I just wanted to make coaches happy and think more of me. I wanted to make teachers happy and think more of me. I wanted to make my parents happy and think more of me. And God took me out of my town and I to a place to never know. And I'm laying in a cold dorm at Wabash College and the Lord called me to himself and he said, no, Brock, lordship, lordship, lordship. I want lordship of your life. Believe. And when the irresistible call to believe comes on your heart, God's coming for you out of love. You can't deny it. So today is the day. If God in your seat right there is calling your heart to himself. And back to the question we asked earlier, has there ever been a time you believed? May today be the day you bow your head right there in your seat and say, Lord Jesus, I see my sin. I'm separated from you. I see your love. Come save me, Jesus. I believe right there, right now in your heart. Let's go. And it's faith alone in Jesus Christ believing that saves us. If I believe in Jesus, I will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, you know what God calls us to do once we've put faith in Jesus Christ? Do you know what God calls us to do once we've believed in Jesus Christ? Do you know how we demonstrate the fact that we are followers of Jesus? Do you know how we show that publicly to the world? How do we do that, church? Baptism. God has made a way that this inward decision we make with him, this inward change in our heart to believe in Jesus, to submit to him, he says, now I want you to go public with that. I want you to show the world that in fact you are a follower of me. And baptism is the means, it's the way that God has instituted in his word that we are to show the world that we're followers of Jesus. And so here, here's what I lay before us today. 
If you have believed on Jesus Christ to be saved and you've never shown that belief publicly by being baptized, um, why not today? Really, really, why not today? Well, because I didn't bring another change of clothes. We got another change of clothes. Well, there's, you know, hair products and whatnot. We got them. We, everything you could possibly, sandals, clothes, toiletries, towels, all of it. Little changing stations back there for you. People for you to talk with about when Jesus got, got a hold of your life and why you want to be baptized today. If you have more questions about it, there's people there that you can go talk with about it. But my question is, if you've never been baptized to show publicly that you are a follower of Jesus, why delay any longer? Well, because Aunt Sally isn't here and she'd really, Aunt Sally will be pumped. Well, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't really have any more excuses. That's right. Who should be baptized today? If you've believed in Jesus and have never declared that publicly by being baptized, I just even invite you right as I'm talking right now. Go out those side doors, walk down to the end of this room. There's people ready to get you going right now. If you have believed in Jesus at a point in your life and you've just been they just haven't been obedient to show that publicly. Get up, walk out those doors right now and go do that. We'll meet you right up here in the water. It's warm. If you've never had a believer's baptism, so if you've been around Harvest at all, any amount of time, you've, you've heard a lot of people's stories who... Um, they, they're like, yeah, I was baptized as a baby or as a kid, but then I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And then you find them in the baptistry here and you're like, man, didn't they say in their story they'd already like been baptized at a point in your life? We believe the teaching of scripture is you believe and then you're baptized. And so maybe for you, you were baptized as an infant. And just, that was just how, think of it like this. If someone else made the decision for you to be baptized, and you've come to faith in Jesus after that, you need to be baptized. And again, that might sound harsh or disrespectful to like the way your family tradition works or whatever, but I'm just saying that's what God, that's what God says in his word. And so maybe you were baptized as an infant or maybe you were baptized as a kid, you're like four years old and <clears throat> you're like, why do you wanna be baptized? You're like, cause my sister did. And then you can't, like Jesus saved you later in your life and you need to come have a believer's baptism today to say, yes, that, he saved me. I'm going public with that faith. If you've never had a believer's baptism, uh, go out those side doors, walk to the front of this uh, hallway right now, and let's, let's do this. And then here's what I'm really excited for. If you've believed in Jesus during the last few weeks of this series, this study, or if you've believed in Jesus even today, get up out of your seat, walk in the hallway, and go public with that faith. You're like, well, I just, I mean, how long have you been saved? Like, 90 seconds. Yeah, you know what the model of the New Testament is? Like one of the apostles got up and they preached the gospel. And then the people list, they're like, we're in. We believe. We want to follow Jesus. And they, 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 they're like, there's a pond. Come on. Let's go public with this faith. Let's show the world. And that was a massive statement in the moment for these people. 
And so if you, during this series, have called on Jesus in faith, if you, during today, have called on Jesus in faith, and you need to, yes, I, like two minutes ago, Jesus saved me, and I'm going public with that today. Come on, out those doors, up this hallway. Let's get after it today. Because the means of which we go public and show our faith of what God has done is our heart is to come up here and symbolically be ducked under that water representing the death of Christ and be raised out of that water representing his life on your behalf. So church, stand with me right where you're at. I've seen some already walking out the doors, but I'll say this, I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing some songs and if at any point here, the Holy Spirit just prompts your heart to say it's time, it's time to be obedient today. Don't deny that prompting. Listen, you don't need to come be baptized. If you've already been baptized, had a believer's baptism, and like you're just feeling something inside of you, just do business with the Lord right there. Recommit your life to the Lord right there. There's no need to come. But if one of those three applies to you, come on, we'll meet you at the water. Amen? Father God, give courage now. Lord, I, it can be a very, um, can be an intimidating thing to think about, to know your prompting. And yet to think, wow, that means walking out in front of people. That means standing up in front of people. But Lord, would your spirit right now give courage? Would your spirit give courage to those you're calling to be obedient today? Lord, would we, for those who have been saved years, decades, and they've just delayed obedience, Lord, no, no more delayed obedience today. Delayed obedience is disobedience, Lord. May we be obedient today, Lord. For those who uh, a decision to be baptized was uh, someone else's decision earlier in their life or they don't even know why they did it and they've come to faith and they want to have a believer's baptism today in obedience to you, Lord, give them the courage to go right now out those doors. And Father, for those who have only known you a matter of weeks or a week or uh, a few minutes, Lord, but uh, you have saved them and they want to show that, that, that saving faith publicly, Lord, would you give them the courage to go right now? Father, as we sing, May you carry feet out the door of those that you're calling today. In Jesus' name.